Welcome to EduWeather, a podcast discussing the hot issues in Scottish education. In this episode, we discuss the thorny issue of behaviour. Ooh, a good one. <laughs> I'm sure uh, we'll try and limit it to an hour. Um, you can follow us on Twitter and you can also read our blog at edubleather.wordpress.com and our Twitter handle is at edubleather. So we have been off the airwaves and off quite a lot of things for a long time. <laughs> We've had a bit of a summer break. A little bit of a sabbatical. And it wasn't intentional, I suppose. We had a summer break that was intentional. Yeah. And that turned into a first term break <laughs> as well. I think it's, I don't know, it's, it's we love Edgy Blether, we love everything about this and feel like it's such a wonderful part of our professional development. Definitely. And we've been doing this now for, for almost a year and a half, two years. Coming up for two years, I think. Yeah, and we've been doing it for a long time now. We love it, every part of it. But things in our professional lives have been incredibly busy. Mm-hmm. Jace has been up to an awful lot. He's yeah. been away in Africa. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, so I was away with school in Africa for three weeks, which was pretty cool. Um, got the opportunity to do things like safari, swimming with whale sharks, really cool stuff, but also helping out on a neighbourhood project Um it was really interesting to hear and to speak to the locals there about education and the value that they place on education, but also the cost of education, mm. there, particularly um, in Eswatini, uh, so Swaziland. So it would be something like £400 equivalent for a year for a child to go to primary school. Yeah. And that thing that we take for granted, that free... Totally. Hit the like the entry free do you know free to the person coming in the door yeah it's something that we just think there is a really nice neat phrase for that isn't there what is uh, that free yeah, point, point of, of entry that's it point of use point of use point, point of, of entry use, point of entry that's the door <laughs> free though is the main yeah. point there free. and that, just take that for granted so much don't i know we? we do and we're very lucky and i think mm. that's the one thing that i felt really privileged that our country has this value placed on education, mm-hmm. and in particular in Scotland, all the way up to, to higher education, where we're not having to pay for that. Mm. Um, and you've got to remember that actually this isn't the norm elsewhere in the world. No. And I suppose that's not to belittle the concerns or the anxieties no, not that at we all. have from our system, because we want to always be improving and we can't do yep. that viewed in a kind of global lens. But then there is time when you have to take stock of the mm-hmm. fact that actually there are systems in the world whereby they're in an incredibly less fortunate position than us. Definitely. And that's really important for us to be able to understand our place in mm-hmm. that system, isn't it? Yeah. But a, a really good experience. Amazing. Excellent. I have nothing... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had a Come great on, I'm summer sure holiday. Uh, the biggest part about for me was that I, throughout summer holidays and even up until just a couple of weekends ago, the amount of time that I spent outdoors and how much mm. that was so beneficial for my own well-being. Mm-hmm. Uh, spending time camping and climbing oh, hills cool. and sleeping in bothies and having fires and just loving being outside and how it's really given me a, a, a desire to want to be doing a lot more of that, 
in a in a leadership capacity in terms of yeah. the the impact that that can have on well being and mm-hmm. taking a step away from your place of work that you can get really bogged down in and thinking about it like an atomic level sometimes mm-hmm. actually taking a step away from that and being in the great outdoors and just enjoying that I think there's is a really useful tool not just in working with young people but actually working with staff as well. Mm-hmm. I think you just got to check yourself, haven't you? Sometimes just mm-hmm. remind yourself. Actually, you're doing a good job. Things are going well. That's it. And there are a few things in life to put that into perspective than a campfire. Absolutely. (laughs) That's it. So, I'd like to say we've been busy. We have been busy. I think uh, so. Working on us. Yeah, but we're back now. (laughs) But we're back, hopefully with a bit of a bang. And we've chose a really sort of quite tame topic. Yeah, just to ease us into term one. Maybe a few reflections on term one. Um, is why we chose this topic, I think. Yeah. And I think behaviour is always um, quite a hot topic and we'll be kind of dissecting that a wee bit. Yeah, and um, it is, it's, a, it's a topic that isn't really going away and it's something that forms no. the basis of almost every single interaction that takes place. You can boil things down to behaviour in, mm-hmm. in relationships and that's why we want to talk about it. And our In the News um, feature that we were going to look at this week reflects that, I yeah. think. There's um, one of the unions, the NASUWT mm-hmm. union, there's a bit of a dispute. They've opened up a hotline uh-huh. and there are... Th- They're they quite small in Scotland quite a small from union. what I understand. Because obviously EIS and SST in the secondary sector are probably the two biggies, but NASUWT is probably growing. It's more based in England, is it not? Yeah, but I think they are, they've got a... They do have a presence. Grim branch, yes. And one of the things that's been reported on in the news recently has been the fact that they've opened up this hotline for for members of the union to be able to phone in Uh to talk about any concerns that they're having and they that 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 hotline has been flooded okay being dramatic (laughs) flooded in terms of um people phoning up to talk about specific concerns to do with behavior and for teachers and staff feeling unsupported okay feeling that they are almost being bullied and victimised in the workplace for trying to stand up oh, really? for what they see as high standards That's not and good. and tackling discipline in the workplace and they're feeling and I think this is a this is something that's shared amongst um, lots of staff at the moment and mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a big part of the the growing EIS agenda mm-hmm. as well is about tackling behavior tackling the way that um like violence in the workplace mm-hmm. and children swearing at teaching staff and mm-hmm. it's a lot of these concerns in this report are coming from that and it's all to do with discipline mm-hmm. or indiscipline and the way that children are behaving and the way that staff are feeling unsupported mm-hmm. and 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 reading between the lines in the article here but it's unsupported by management mm-hmm. in terms of the response to that behavior and they're feeling disempowered to be able to challenge it in the way that they would want to challenge that. Okay, interesting news. It's article. a really interesting news article and I and think is it, there any like next steps what's happening next with it or what are the union doing? Is there any 
information? Or I, the... I don't know. Okay. I'm a really <laughs> ill-informed <That's okay. laughs> conduit for the news here, Jay. That's okay. I, I mean, you're on your holidays. I'm transparent that. here in terms of I've brought this news article up here because I think it feeds in. It's a yeah. really nice bookend for for what we're wanting to be talking about. Okay. In this. And I think it just sets the tone that this is happening now. Yes. This, this is something that we're facing yeah. in a very real sense just now and actually it's it's a really divisive subject because it's so emotive uh-huh. and it's so based on individual perspectives and and what you think about behavior and what mm-hmm. behavior means to you so there's so much do to you it. think so i guess going on to the discussion then about behavior do you think it's always been an issue and it always can will continue to be an issue in scottish education no. in any sort of education i don't think it's always been an issue See, I think it always because has I to think, be. I think behaviour has always been an issue, but I think the way that it's... it's And, and for, for me, this is a positive, the way that we now understand the way... Childhood, we understand yeah. the way that child, children's brains develop. But that's not what I'm saying, though. We, no, what I'm saying is, sorry. That's okay. Behaviour will always be a topic of discussion in the staff room, whether it's... 40 years ago or now and the issues are different yeah so before you so rudely interrupted me my point <laughs> my point was going to be I had be, my hand up <laughs> my point was like going to be you should just punish me I think I will <laughs> the point was going to be I think it's a I'm being we're in a really Sorry. interesting um, interesting time, time at the moment yeah, yeah really interesting time because of the inclusion agenda because of the presumption to mainstream I so think that's, that, not new, I think that's changed the the behavior debate though okay. because i think i think the argument would be that has it always been an issue yes behavior has always been an issue those pesky kids do you know like you would have got away with your teaching had it not been for the yeah. pesky kids but the response to that behavior has changed so dramatically now in the sort of mainstream dialogue around that is shifting so much specifically in Scotland mm-hmm. around inclusion, restorative practice, understanding, starting from where the child is. I, th- I don't think that's where we were 40 years ago when exclusion rates, that was, that was, it was a punitive driven system. It was something that we could easily just exclude and we weren't, there wasn't as much justification needed behind exclusion. So it was just a case of, teachers facing this in the classroom management and this is uh, i'm speculating but management being able to to just exclude or those children wouldn't those children Mm -hmm. in inverted commas wouldn't even have made it through the door because there would have been provision for them elsewhere or they would have dropped out of education at that point because actually the the importance of 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 everybody having an entitlement to education wasn't as well understood at that point. Uh, am I making a point at all here, or am I just a I rambling? Think you're just rambling. Do you understand where I'm coming from? Yeah, I do. I do. But I think that that behaviour is can be such a thorny issue mm-hmm. that it's always going to be a topic of discussion, no matter if we've cracked it. And in some of the best schools or the best relationships, it's always going to be an issue because. It's all it's all relative, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because if you're in a school that actually, on the face of it, behaviour is very good to excellent, people will still find fault with aspects of that. Whereas yeah. if you compare all schools, there will be some schools that generally the behaviour is not good and is very disruptive to learning and teaching. 
but in other schools where actually comparatively it's better mm-hmm. no that's a really do you see valid what point. I mean like yeah I just think is behavior we're never going to crack behavior I feel yeah because that's... when we do crack it or we think we've cracked it there will always be something we can do differently but I think that's a hangover of the way that we have viewed behaviour. And it comes from that weird... That it's a problem to be fixed. That, first and foremost, yeah. yeah. So the kind of deficit model mm-hmm. of that there's something wrong here, so let's fix that. And the second part about that, that unique thing about teachers is that it's the only job that everyone has an experience of. Uh-huh. Everyone can remember what it's like or what their experience was school. like at school. Yeah. And parents, everyone across the country understands what and they know their experience and have an opinion over what should be happening Mm -hmm. so if someone punches someone in the face in a classroom people have that understanding of what that looks like and feels like beyond what you would in any other sector and probably the difficulty is that parents and other people would compare that to oh that should be an exclusion or that should be punitive and i think what you're saying and, and i don't disagree with you for a second I'm just trying to be difficult. <laughs> <That's unlikely. laughs> um, is that people are going and clutching for the kind of punitive measures, mm-hmm. and they're thinking of that. Whereas, I think what's trying we're trying to do in Scotland, and probably around the world actually, is we're trying to look at it from a very different perspective. If you look at the books that are coming out, the research, people are trying to understand better. Yeah, the reasons behind the yeah. behaviour and probably we're better at understanding that now than ever we were before mm-hmm. I think the other thing is being aware we're, I think we're far more aware of additional support needs now yes. than we were 15, 20 years and this years. was my rambling madness at the start That's the yeah, point you I'm just need to be make. more succinct so <laughs> more articulate, much like yeah. yourself <laughs> uh, I'm just giving our listeners credit <laughs> But do you know what I mean? Like I think, no, totally. So whilst I agree with you that behaviour is communication, I still think behaviour will always be an issue. But I think mm-hmm. the, the issue, the, the real discussion point is, you're right about the inclusion agenda. Mm-hmm. We're far more educated in our professional learning in that we understand additional support needs. Mm-hmm. There are so many more additional support needs we're aware of now. Um, and children are probably given that label or diagnosed with that additional support needs whereas that wouldn't have happened in the past yeah they would have still been displaying the behavior but they wouldn't have had an additional there wouldn't have been an understanding as yeah, to why of what that is actually at the heart of it mm-hmm. and i think probably the other thing is that the inclusion agenda has shifted the whole idea that universal support is in schools mm-hmm. whereas probably our education system was at a time, to an extent it still is, there was targeted support where if you had an issue, you went to a different school. Yeah. And we're not seeing that as much anymore. We're not seeing that. And I think that's... So, personally, I think that's fantastic. Mm, Definitely, I agree. That shift is... Much more inclusive. Inclusive is much more... In terms of, and, and this is this is where it gets difficult, and this is why it's a difficult subject because you cannot remove the politics from the discussion. Yeah, you cannot remove the thing about your view on childhood and what society should mm-hmm. and shouldn't be doing. And if you are from the opinion that a more 
inclusive society is something that you would value and value above academic achievement in some mm-hmm. in some in some respects or or kind of positive destinations or you know all these sorts of big hyperbole that we can throw <laughs> you know mm-hmm. like actually people being happy and accepting of one another surely needs to be very high up the list in terms of what we want from a highly functioning society and that's where it becomes i would rather instead of having that segregation of Mm -hmm. well let's send these children who just through a a wide range of reasons are facing this barrier in their life Mm -hmm. let's send them away somewhere different and it's not about trying to say, oh, well, let's get the children who are neurotypical to experience and experience those other children in that sort of weird. Uh, oh, it's good for it's good for these children to be able to experience that. That's not what I'm meaning. I'm just meaning if you take a cross section of society, it isn't that way. It isn't these children neatly fit in over here and this group neatly fit over here. It's all of us together working together that mm-hmm. is going to make really good progress going forward. And it's about understanding that and understanding how we meet each other's needs within that complex framework. And I think that's what's brilliant about what we're doing at the moment. Uh-huh. There are people who disagree with what we're doing at the moment. And I think within a school, if you've got a big staff, there will be people that don't think the way that we're doing it at the moment is the right way. Mm-hmm. So it'll be harder to then accept the behaviours that they're seeing or to be sworn at or to be kicked and punched, which nobody should have to do in their workplace. Mm-hmm. I'm not excusing that. But if you don't, if you don't really fully buy into the reasons behind why that's happening or or being able to fully believe in it because it is hard it isn't it isn't something that is acceptable it isn't something that we should have but if you then can see that sort of slightly bigger picture behind it I think it makes it easier to view behaviour through a different lens than it does through just the well I'm a professional and that shouldn't happen to me in this profession yeah, I don't disagree with you. However, I think you still have to have clear boundaries. I don't think, but I don't think you're saying that. No, you're that's not, not what making I'm that argument. I'm and not I making think, the argument. What the argument? And I think that's the issue: is that sometimes there's a criticism that there are not clear boundaries or clear consequences. I still think that there can be, and there should be, and there should be. But I think the quite often the criticism of restorative approaches and it comes from an ignorance I would argue is that there is no consequence and that somehow behaviours are then ignored Mm -hmm. and I think that's just a real job about educating people that actually that cannot happen because if that happens yeah you would end up with anarchy like you have to have consequences you have to have consistency Um, but as we're going to get on to that doesn't just happen like no. you need people to actually change their behaviour so that it happens. Yeah. But I think what you're saying is we need to have people um, who are putting in place consequences and there's a clear, firm boundaries. Yeah, and I think that's the point. So there needs to be a systematic approach to it yeah. that, that allows consistency, that allows a shared understanding. So that's one part of it. But there is that wider moral underpinning to behaviour and that 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 view on the world that needs mm-hmm. to be there and I think that is there through our standards you know yeah. it's written into what it means oh, yeah. to be there's a teacher no, in Scotland there's so, no denying that it's, it's everywhere in Gurfeck it's everywhere so I don't everywhere. think there's any but what any I mean dispute. is I think there, that is still I would say 
there are still parts of that that are at odds to the practice so the theory line. and the practice yeah and I wouldn't disagree with you I yeah think. but I think that's where that's a culture shift that in schools yeah. we need that, it takes that time. will take time um, I, I don't disagree with you as well and I think what will also be really helpful because it comes from a view of there not being resource and I think mm. obviously there's a review of additional support needs yeah. that the Scottish Government have put in place and I think that will be really welcomed because what you don't want is you don't want this to be happening within a backdrop of there being a diminishing resource Yeah. because then it looks like we're just having to get by and actually that's not right that's not so right. I think that's, that'll doing, help. that's doing everybody a disservice. Yes, definitely. And I think I think it's an interesting one because that diminishing resource is across the board and not mm-hmm. just with additional support needs. But I think it creates a, a further conflict around. So I've I've heard anecdotally there's been conversations around and when when you have conversations about behaviour that it's almost that that it's you're having to make a decision whether you're going to be going to be in a very inclusive establishment uh-huh. and, and using your resource that way okay or if you're uh, uh, does attainment take a hit if you focus more on inclusion and and meeting additional support needs and i suppose that's a question for you do do you feel there is a tension or a conflict between doing both really well what is the model that works really there well there with the backdrop of a diminishing resource. I don't think it's one or the other. I don't think so either. I don't, I don't think it can. But is there a tension? Well, there's a definite tension. However, I would argue that effective support for young people allows attainment and all these other measures to improve. Mm-hmm. And I think schools that don't have effective supports in place and... I can only use my secondary sector if if pupil support, so principal teachers of pupil support or the inclusion team are not operating effectively. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can have high attainment and you can't have an effective school because I think pupil support has to be at the heart of that. I agree. That and that, you know, for attainment, for attendance, for positive destinations that you mentioned, um, for behaviour, I think it comes down to pupil support. Now, having said that, it is not the sole job of pupil support to to make all those things happen. Mm-hmm. But I think you have to have them as part of the jigsaw to be really effective. Yeah. Do you know? No, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. That's a really yeah. And that's and a that's a huge strategy for me. I think that we need to have that in place. And that's the job of senior leaders to make sure that pupil support is very effective. Yeah in our schools another reason that this is all coming into popular discourse at the moment and mm-hmm. that, that a lot of, particularly in Scotland a lot of people are talking about is because of um, Pivotal in the book mm-hmm. the work of Paul Dix mm-hmm. in the book When the Adults Change Everything Changes have you read the book? I have and I have to make a confession um, that I've been very late to the party <laughs> okay and it's not like me because I like a party yeah. um, but obviously doing my into headship stuff loads of stuff to read mm-hmm. and 
probably I hadn't prioritised that because there was other things I had to read. And it's something I've actually just been reading over the last week or two. Oh, yeah. And I've really enjoyed it. So I've just bought myself a new Kindle. Okay. Um, and that's encouraging me to read a lot more. Other e-readers are available. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, that was one of the books that I've downloaded. Yeah. And I've loved it. It's been so good. One of the really interesting things that I've taken away from it, and it's really made me reflect, is the whole aspect around um, our kind of reward system, mm. but also around the language we use. And one of the really interesting, I think it's towards the end of the book, is the comparison between school behaviour policies and prison codes yeah. of conduct. And I actually thought that was quite terrifying. That yeah. So we're saying that those institutions are on a par, mm-hmm. but yet one is, I mean, actually, I actually would argue both of them should be about education. And well, that's the big, that's the and whole that's, debate, isn't it? And that's what it's all about, rather yeah. than just being punitive, but yeah. rather than both being about education, we've turned mm-hmm. them both into being about punishment. Well, it's about control, isn't it? And that's, yeah. It's about who, that's who has control in that situation, and, and for a very... Yeah, very different reasons, but I can you can understand why the parallels are drawn, and mm-hmm. it's so effective when he does it because it really does make you stop and think. Definitely, and I think for I, I suppose just yeah the whole the whole title of the book and 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 it's, so it's when adult changes when, when adults change uh, everything changes. Is that right? That was yeah. That's it. When the adults change, everything changes. And I think so. Paul Dix is part of a though I think he's just recently left but it's Pivotal mm-hmm. Education who run lots of behaviour management resources mm-hmm. across the whole country mm-hmm. and they sort of operate on this five pillar model and one of the pillars is adult behaviour and it's looking very specifically and, and it's saying that you are in control mm-hmm. of your own behaviour and that's the whole point that he's trying to make throughout that whole book and that's the, that, that point, the real sort of paradigm shift I think that we all are we've kind of tried to articulate in what we've been talking mm-hmm. about so far but it comes down to it's not about controlling the children and even even the semantics of the language of behaviour management mm-hmm. we're trying to get away from that and actually talking about behaviour leadership rather than managing situations because mm-hmm. that still suggests that the control is with the adults and yep. the children have to respect that without question mm-hmm. but behavior leadership modeling that process modeling that calmness that integrity that mm-hmm. that respect is something that he really speaks about and that's the thing that really spoke to me and stood out to me and it was something do you know when i was reading it it was almost like oh someone is articulating what i've been thinking for yeah. a long time but just in such a lovely succinct way Definitely. And I think one of the other things that struck me about that was the visible consistency. Yeah. And I think we're all guilty of this, coming up with loads and loads of things. And I think he used it in the book where he he asked a few kids and he asked a few staff, what are the rules of the school? What's expected of you? And I think the kids came out with, oh, you've got to take your hoodie off. And they only knew that because every day the head teacher or someone that was the only thing they said to the kids as they came in. Yeah. So they therefore thought that is the most important thing in this school. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really interesting because we try to do so much mm-hmm. and we have so many rules that actually there's so much that you can't tell me what 
the 10 or, or 50 yeah. rules there are because there's unwritten rules and there's written rules yeah. and there's norms and expected norms um, and I think that was the real thing for me that struck me was having three or four things that you can see feel yeah. across the school and that's what people are crying out for yeah. when people talk about behaviour they talk about consistency mm-hmm. and in large organisations that's really difficult to do because there are so many things we're trying to do. Yeah. But if we focused on one, two, three or four things, surely that's more manageable. Just a, a really interesting sort of way to back that up, because I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think there is, it's not, not just as simple as well. And I think we, part of it is is boiling it down to things that do seem simple and mm-hmm. then just being sort of duped by the lure of the simplicity of it. And I uh-huh. think that's, there's a, someone much smarter than I am, I can't remember, some philosopher somewhere, and I can't remember where I've heard this, but yeah. for every problem, there's, for every, for every complex problem, there's a simple solution, mm-hmm. but that's the wrong one, is a really interesting way of thinking about it. There is a simple way to fix these things, but mm-hmm. this is a complex problem that is going to take more than just writing three rules up on the board. But I think yeah. but your point, sorry, I'm not going against your point. No, no. We need to start with that consistency. Yeah. My five-year-old daughter has just started primary one and mm-hmm. her school has gone through this pivotal training. So they've okay. had someone in from pivotal, which is very obvious as soon as you walk in through the door. But talking to Amelia about it is so much because she comes home every day reciting these school rules and she tries to get her little brother to be more ready and respectful <laughs> and responsible. But today we were at the cinema and uh, the chap that was giving us our tickets was like, oh, thanks, enjoy your film. And she went, he was a very respectful man, wasn't he? That's one of my school rules. And just the way that that is just embodied in everything that she's thinking about, that's yeah. her worldview is shaped yeah. by her school rules. I think that was really, it was a nice, and that's where you get the consistency. That Definitely. Everyone can be talking about the same things, yeah. and it creates that shared understanding, but it's not the only thing that will fix it. No, but I think you have, going back to what we were saying earlier, is getting people on board. I think the difficulty I have is when people are crying out for consistency, but they're not then willing to make a change. So the title of the book is When the Adults Change. Actually, more often than not, our teachers want the children to change, to be better. And actually, what we need to look at is our own practice and how we're behaving before we're going to see a change to behaviour from young yeah. people. And I think it's that thing, when you think about change, change is, is really hard. Uh-huh. And when you're thinking about, like, we could we can impact the children mm. and we can have a, an influence on them. Definitely. But to actually get them to change, we don't have as much impact on that as we do over our own behaviour. Yeah. And that's, that's a big part about the book. And I think for me... That's the real selling point about the book mm-hmm. because it's as saying actually let's it holds up that mirror to us in a really mm-hmm. funny and charming way. It does hold up that mirror, but it's hard. Yeah, and there's times totally. where it makes you think about everything. About it's made me think about my role as a parent. It's made me think about my role as a school leader, as mm-hmm. a class teacher, about how I interact with other staff in the school as well. I think you need to be in a place where you can, as you say, open up to saying there are things about me as a professional mm-hmm. that I can change and i think the book title is very deliberate well i don't know but that's my feeling because i think we're the adults yeah you know that's quite 
deliberate that we have that control to change and that power to change things and whilst we cannot change everything about our young people because if you look at it what influence do we have the amount of hours they're in school you know if you look at all of those things Mm -hmm. it's actually minimal like they're on holiday just now for a week two weeks if you're in my school and I have no influence over what they're doing just now yeah my influence is minimal in school time. No, I don't know if I agree with that. Well, parents have quite a big influence. Yeah, so, and, I, and that in, opens up a really interesting you know, like, point. And, and that's what I mean. Like, so, you can change your behaviour, but can you truly change yeah. a child's And I think you outlook? could. I think, I think... I'm not sure. Only, only thinking... So the whole adverse childhood experience debate, and that has gone through its ups and downs, and I totally understand it, but one of the sort of central points behind that was that it can just be one adult that can make a difference sometimes to some children. Yeah, I'm not saying we can't make any difference, but I'm saying that around young people, there are so many influencers. Yeah, and that's the danger. So I think I think there's two parts to it. I don't think... I don't. We can't be the sole solution. No, but we can be a big part of it. Yeah, that. of course, and I, and I agree with that. I don't that. think we should take that line of debate because actually doing our jobs incredibly well mm-hmm. which we all endeavour to do we can have a, a monumental impact, impact of course. on and the I, lives of young people that's not what I'm saying and if that's what you thought I'm sorry but the, I, the point that you're making I think was that actually there are so many other variables in a child's life yeah. that it's we can get into a, quite a shallow debate if we're just saying okay well then it just becomes the adults that need to change. It just needs to be the teachers in school that need to change it and then, hey, presto, we've solved yeah, it. I'm not that's, saying that. No, and that's, I think, the point that we're making here is yeah. that actually there is so much in the book that we need to be mindful of and actually that we have control over within mm-hmm. our school, we can. Definitely. And that's the point that, yes, we shouldn't be completely losing it for children. We should be a model of calmness, Definitely. of respect, of of that integrous person that we're trying to make them become. Why wouldn't you strive for that anyway? Though that's what I don't understand. Why would you not want to be like that? Because it's hard. It is hard, but I think that's what I would want. I would always, always with the young people I work with, I would always want to stand up to the test of this question, and that is, I would always want to be able to say to them, if they ever were disrespectful to me. Do I always show you respect? And I would, I would always mm-hmm. want them to say, "Of course, you always show me respect." And when I have that conversation, yeah. even the most challenging situations for me, if I ask them that, they're always able to say, "Yes, you do. You always yeah. show me for respect." And that actually makes them think a lot more about their own behaviour if they've been disrespectful or mm-hmm. to me or to another member of staff or whatever. And I think for me, that is the key question I ask myself in my practice yeah. that that keeps me and I think, I on think the right track. And I think that's amazing. And I think there are so many individuals that are doing exactly the same thing yeah. as you are because that's exactly the reason they got into this job, mm-hmm. because they wanted to be that person. Mm-hmm. I think... In, exactly like you were talking about before it's about that consistency across a whole whole uh, organization mm-hmm. and and Paul Dix does make the point about 
that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Yeah, do you know, and it's, it's the culture of a place about everybody standing together, shoulder to shoulder, saying, no matter what happens here, me and you are going to be saying and doing exactly the right thing. And I don't know in Scottish education if we're at that point where every single adult that is working with children across Scotland no, would be able to say are. exactly what you just said in terms totally of treating every child with respect. I totally agree. And I think you're right. I don't think we're there yet. No. And that's, the, that's we'll what get we need there. to work towards. And we I think we will. Yeah. And I think the way that the, the conversation is changing, you can see that the amount of schools that... Um, Pivotal are and Pivotal are just one organisation. Mm-hmm. We're talking about them because it's a very, very like it's a best-selling book at the moment, mm-hmm. and that's why it's forming the structure of our conversation just now. But mm-hmm. restorative practice has been around for a long time, and that's basically what they're they're selling here. Do you know? That's the, it. The, does uh, sorry when you go. I was going to say it does actually beg the question when you look at the whole support and strategies that as a system we're not getting it right because what we're having to do is rely on an external company who's selling a product yeah. to deal with a problem. And yet we have, or we should have all these supports within the system mm-hmm. that are not there. I think I think that's, that's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because it's taken a best-selling book and a wonderfully yeah. gifted speaker. Uh-huh. To, to come in, the, the, what I was saying was that he's there, an English company that have had a lot of success in Scotland at Definitely. the moment because the way that the, the agenda in Scotland is at the moment and the way that the national conversation is going. Mm-hmm. And I think that's amazing and that's something mm-hmm. th- that I'm really excited oh, about being, being part of Scottish education at the moment. Because when you look south of the border and you're looking at zero tolerance schools, mm-hmm. that you've got, you've got teachers and um students and parents having protests outside school because the children are getting excluded for not wearing school uniform mm-hmm. that's that's not all right yeah, yeah absolutely it's a different context but that's completely. why it's really interesting for mm-hmm. us to have him so i don't think it I, I think i think the support in this structure is there it was right for it at the moment mm-hmm. that it's that it's started happening and that's why loads of schools are sort of scrambling to get i think that these systems do exist within authority like the restorative practice training is something that's been happening mm-hmm. for years as, as part of any support for learning mm-hmm. or additional support for learning team as part of an authority it's just not in that nice sort of sexy way that yeah, Paul yeah. Dix can do it because he's written a best-selling book yeah and I think that's the thing it's it's this this company exists purely to be able to do that but I think it's it's that sort of shift towards well, well loads of schools are now just doing it by themselves or loads mm-hmm. of schools are picking up the reading and being able to look into it in a lot more and I think it's the start it's been a catalyst for a big shift yeah and, and that, it's that good that people happening. are talking about it and it's part of a national conversation and actually that people are focusing in on on the right reasons yeah um, for for moving these things let's talk about consequences then because mm-hmm. we've kind of skirted around it a bit around what are the consequences? Because when we're talking about behaviour, we're talking about bad behaviour that gets punished, basically, yeah. is what we're mm-hmm. talking about. Yeah. And I think... And, I, and we're we're talking exclusion, we've mentioned there. Yeah. We're talking about informal exclusion, where children mm-hmm. are just sent home. We're talking about detentions. We're talking about lines. Um, I mean, the other thing from the book, which was really interesting, was the culture that really struck me was this, the culture of one school that was mentioned in the book, um, and you'll need to read it to find out because I can't remember, <laughs> um, one culture in a school 
where detentions were the norm and actually a kid had 33 periods in the week or something mm-hmm. like that potentially they were getting a detention yeah every single period in that week mm-hmm. but there was never enough time for them to actually do the detention so they would end up racking up i don't know 60 70 detentions <laughs> yeah, to their completely name on their sheet. yeah and therefore the children knew that that was never ever possible to get yeah to get through them so actually it became inconsequential and therefore there's no impact for it and i just thought wow but schools are doing that yeah schools are, I think, and no one's thinking that this is not this is never possible it's because it's what's been done before and it's back to the point Quite we're scary. making about what we see as the role of school and in terms of control and what's an expected norm and what yeah. we, something's gone wrong this is what happened to me when I was younger I got the bell I got the cane I got whatever yeah. or there needs to be a punishment and it's this is again when it's a it's a societal thing. Something goes wrong in society, you need to be punished for it. Mm-hmm. You, and this is an argument that I'm faced with an awful lot of the time. Like you drive your car very very fast, there's a there's a consequence. You're punished as mm-hmm. a result of that. And when we're talking about punishment here, categorically, my opinion on that is punishment in that sense doesn't work. Hundred percent doesn't work because if it did work we wouldn't be having this conversation mm-hmm. because there wouldn't be books written about how we manage behaviour. There wouldn't be... It would be a case of, you've got detention, therefore you will never do that again. Therefore, mm-hmm. brilliant. Done. Yeah, of course Happy it days. doesn't So work. punishment doesn't work. And it works for some children who are more literal-minded, who uh-huh. maybe... Ha- who need a very, this is black, this is white, done. Mm-hmm. Or for children who are the ones who have maybe made a wee mistake and they've been punished and they've been they have got that fear of it and they didn't want to disappoint people so it's it's worked. So for they them. never do. But it for again. the vast vast majority of children, punishment in that traditional Victorian sense doesn't work. And yet, that's what our society is based on. And that's what people still want within our a entire school. society is based on punishment. Yeah. And actually, it's not that long ago that children were belted or caned in school. Yeah. And I think if if that was still in existence just now, I wouldn't be a teacher. No. I couldn't do that. And I, I would love to get to the point, and this is a weird bit, but I'd love to get to that point that, like, if... if if a child was to come home today and say, oh, Mr. Moyer belted me, like there would be outroar and it would be in the news and it'd be struck off. It would be ridiculous. I'd be love to, I can't wait to get to that point where the same response is yeah. met by Mr. Moyer shouted at me today. Yeah. Mr. Moyer made me feel small. Mr. Moyer humiliated me today. Mm-hmm. But that's happening mm-hmm. in a daily basis across the country. Not in every school, but I would say that is so commonplace that at one point in every school across the country that will be happening somewhere some every day mm-hmm. and that's just an accepted thing and it happens in front of senior leadership teams children whole classes of children being screamed at what where is this notion that in order to improve children to make children better when they've done something wrong we first have to make them feel really bad about themselves mm-hmm. That is just such an accepted thing. And it's the whole shame thing, isn't yeah. it? About, yeah. I'm so disappointed in you. I yeah. can't believe you've really let yourself down. What are they learning from that? Yeah. Nothing. So the, the model that's being presented, and when we're talking about all of this, about relationships and about being calm and being consistent, it falls under the umbrella of restorative mm-hmm. justice, restorative practice. And that's something that's, that's across... Um, 
the the criminal justice system mm-hmm. there's been a lot of research done into that to suggest that when restorative practice is used that both the the criminal criminal and the victim at the end of the process both feel better about it mm-hmm. the recrimination rates are much lower than using traditional punitive measures in criminal justice systems. And that's so, really good, and I would want to see more of that, but yeah. I don't get a sense that that is as widespread as it could be. Oh, it's not. Or should be. And that's, I think that's a big part of it, is yeah. because, because people, it's it's just down to what people expect and mm-hmm. what people see as the norm and what people, and for, I suppose, when you're thinking about it in a wider sense, but even in a school, if you think of the most sort of, sort of um, anti-social behaviour that you see within a school like uh-huh. violence and bullying uh-huh. and, and really sort of severe sort of hate crime or mm-hmm. like these things do happen in schools mm-hmm. for me the way that we fix that is not by loading more punishment onto these children because if you do that the only place you need to go after putting on a really serious punishment like an exclusion the only place you can go after that is more punishment mm-hmm. Like once you've dealt that sort of top trump card, you can't really go any higher than that. So you have to just do more of that. So I'm going to exclude you for a week and then two weeks and then I'll expel you and then I'll move you to another school because you're not welcome here with that behaviour. But actually when you're using restorative justice in terms of education, speaking to the child, talking to them, teaching them about what's gone wrong, if that doesn't work, then the next step up, you change your teaching mm-hmm. tact. You do it from a different angle. You've always got different ways that you can mm-hmm. teach that child that what they're doing is 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 not the best behaviour choice that they could be making. And that's that's a, the really interesting, liberating thing for me as a teacher. Uh-huh. So that is your job. That's You're my job. You're that job. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, a fantastically interesting conversation that I hope you will continue um, on Twitter mm-hmm. and we would love to hear your thoughts on that. We have had um, various other discussions along the way on Twitter around behaviour but I guess that's been our kind of main focus. Um, it's now on to our section of the podcast called We Recommend. So Jude, you're going to We Recommend something. What is it? I, I've got a book that... Um it's just a really interesting book that I've been reading recently. So it's from Crown House Publishing. Okay, what's it's it called? called? Troubled Hearts, Troubled Minds. Oh, great title. Making Sense of the Emotional Dimension of Learning wow. by Peter Nelms. And is Nelms. it about behaviour then? So it's about, yeah, about behaviour. It's about that sort of group of people that we're talking about today. Do you know uh-huh. the group of people that understanding that there is emotional components to what we do and cognitive components to what we do so that's our hearts and minds okay about how we act and how we behave and there's this big group of people in society that are so misunderstood because they're just seen as being bad or sad or um uh, broken do you know but actually the way that these children present in school and we're Mm -hmm. seeing them is just misbehaving the children Mm -hmm. that that act out that that are that are communicating communicating mm-hmm. their varied sort of troubled past as the book that sort of looks at it in terms of everything that we know about adverse childhood experiences attachment about additional support needs actually this group of children are 
really misunderstood and that's what the book the point that the book's making Mm -hmm. the point's making that actually yes we're faced with challenging behavior but actually this group of people that are expressing that are probably the least understood in mm-hmm. society and and, especially, and in the most need of support and in the most need of support exactly Definitely. and it's just a really interesting book and it's him drawing on sort of 25 years of experience he went into right at the start of his career he just thought that's where i want to work within um sort of i think it's social emotional I don't know what they call them now in England, but okay. it's basically working with children with complex additional support needs. Okay. And he went right into that, basically straight off the mark. And he's been working with those children for 25 years. And it's just drawn on, and it's really anecdotal, but it's in the same way that uh-huh. Paul Dixie's book is. It, it really makes you pause and think about about everything that we're talking about, about behaviour and where that fits Good. in. So it sort of crosses that that line between looking at adverse childhood experience and behavior and how those meet and what we need to do but it gives really practical advice as well Good. and just makes you think about what you would do in that situation okay and the book title and author again is so that is troubled hearts troubled minds by peter nelms fantastic thanks for that no look worries. forward to picking that up and just having a wee look and that was from our friends at Crown House, Crown House Publishing. So thanks very much. So remember, you can follow us on Twitter at EduBleather, and you can also check out our website, which has a few more articles on there and loads more content, edubleather.wordpress.com. And you can also check us out on our back catalogue of podcast episodes, um, all on our um SoundCloud. SoundCloud, but you can also get it on Spotify, you can get it on Apple, or any other podcast um, provider that you choose to listen to this. Um, And please, if you can, like us on your favourite podcasting. Thanks very much.